Women Making Waves. Susie, are you actually able to see me? Because you seem to be looking everywhere but at the camera. (laughs) I know it's a bit Mm. odd, actually, that you asked me that question. I suppose after COVID, I then decided that it wasn't enough to just have COVID. I decided to have labyrinthitis. And and apparently it's a thing that people that have had COVID are getting as well. Mm. Or some people, rather. Yeah, it is. Special people like you. Yeah, special people like me Mm -hmm. decide that they not only want to have COVID, but they decide to have something else to consider and... And have that to stay in bed for. Horrible. Oh, it was. It was I mean, horrible. You were, what were you? All, you were all right for what? A week? Yes. Less, yeah. I think it was like about. That. Yeah, it was about ten days, and then I started getting dizzy, and feeling sick, and not being able to walk in a straight line. And it was quite scary. And it is linked. Apparently, it is linked. Every time I speak to other people and people in medicine, they say, yeah, there is some sort of connection between COVID and labyrinthitis. So here I am. That's awful. I know. So I have to get my son, who is six foot, and he has to walk with me. And I have to hold his arm as I walk down. What's it like going upstairs then? It must be like being in a storm at sea. Well, I have to sort of lean on the banisters to go up. But I think Mm. it will go. I know it will go. I know. And I think I've got to the stage now where I can absolutely manage it now. So, Mm. yeah, it's been a bit scary. But you're sort of stuck in the house then. Yeah, I can't can't drive. You've a bit of a rough time, really, haven't you? Yeah, I have. It's not nice. I know. But in between having these conditions... I did have that moment where, you know, when you feel after you've had flu, after you've not been well, you feel invincible because you sort of think you're bouncing back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I decided to completely reorganise my wardrobe. Oh, and that must be a big job in your case, actually, (laughs) mustn't it? I bet you've got loads of clothes. Well, I've got loads of shoes. Oh, right. Yeah. Imelda. Yeah, Imelda yeah. indeed. Oh, this was a challenge for me. Downsize my shoes, downsize my clothes. And now it's just wonderful. I walk into my, I don't walk in, I open up my wardrobe. <laughs> I'd love to walk into my wardrobe. But I open up my wardrobe and think, it's not cluttered. I can see what I've got. How have you sorted your clothes then? Have you done it in shades? Have, have you started it black at one end and gone to sort of white at the other <laughs> And all the shades in between. Is that how you've um, well, actually? No, you say you, you say them? black at the beginning. I've gone white at the beginning, virgin okay. white. Wedding <laughs> dress is hanging up at the beginning. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's it's lovely. There is a really mm-hmm. good app actually as well. You download this app, and you can take pictures of your clothes so that you'll have a log on your phone. So if you want to buy new clothes and you think, oh, do I need that, or do I have something that will go with it? And so mm-hmm. you look on your app. And you go through your clothes when you eventually take all the photos all individually of your items and you can think, decide if you need that piece of clothing. That's quite cool, isn't it? That sounds like a real killjoy app, to to be fair. I'm really into it. I've been obsessed now with the wardrobe and I feel so proud of myself that I can actually find something and put it back. But for you, Linda, you've just told me that you are going into work one day a week. I was lucky to get there because, of course, we had the fuel crisis last week where I was nearly at the end of my tank. And that morning when I went into work, I went via the town where I live. The two filling stations were closed. I went round the supermarket and there was no queue. And I thought, oh, God, let's give a shot. So I went in fully open, only about three cars there. Fully open. Every nozzle was untagged. Wow. It was all open. And I just went and straight in. Obviously, everyone else was like me. Oh, they wouldn't have it. Straight in, 
filled up my car. The car in front of me, he not only filled up his car, but decided to fill up two Jerry huge cans. containers as well, which actually no. I found slightly annoying. Because mm. I just thought, well, you're just taking all the fuel, aren't you? And somebody else is going to come along eventually and they're not going to get any. But it must have been so liberating to get there and know that you were there and whizzing in and whizzing out probably within 10 minutes. Well, I was stunned. I remember seeing something on the TV recently where they were interviewing the drivers and they interviewed one lady and said, then why are you here? Well, because everyone else is here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're seeking company, it's not the way to do it. No, it join isn't. a club. Yeah, join a join club. Join a club. <laughs> go out there. Go to a coffee morning. Join the WI or something. Don't go to the filling station. It's not that much fun. You're listening to Women Making Waves radio show and podcast, brought to you by Susie Thorpe and Linda Ness. This show is all about women doing extraordinary things. And our other feature today is Rebecca Maddox. Now, she is a consultant and she's the mother of two, and she is a very firm advocate for helping children. She has an amazing track record of excellence in raising standards for early year settings. And I'm really interested to see what she has to say about... I know, yeah. I know. I'm looking forward to chatting to Rebecca and hearing what she's got to say as well. It's always quite interesting hearing these experts and children and almost like child psychology. Even although they're not psychologists, they, they do know a lot about child psychology and getting them to do what they want. Women Making Waves Guest Rebecca Maddox is the owner of Helping Hand Early Years Consultancy, which is based in South East London. A consultant, a proud mother of two and a firm advocate for helping children. She says she enjoys working with like-minded individuals who want the best outcome for children within their settings. Now, Rebecca has been shortlisted very recently for an award called Lockdown Hero. It's part of the Southwark Business Resilience Awards, celebrating the success, achievements and resilience of the borough's largest and vibrant business community. Hello, Rebecca. Why are early years of a child so important? Because it's the beginning of a child's life. The first few years of a child's life is crucial. It has an impact on our later life. So they say the first three to five years of a child's life, does it have a huge impact on their development, on how they become an adult? But I think it really grew on me when I was around 14. My parents had a Saturday school. And they used to let me join in and support. So I used to volunteer to do that. And that's when I saw, oh, wow, I love working with children. I couldn't wait for Saturday to come so I could go and help out. So I think that's when I really saw this is for me and I've not looked back since. It's really good that you found something that you want to do from a very early age. There's a lot of yeah. people, including myself, and I talk for a lot of people that say they still don't have a clue. But for you, obviously, you were given that opportunity and, and you're brave enough, actually, to say, yes, I would like to do it. And not the norm to say, oh, actually, I better go into something that I ought to be in. You it's want true. to do something that is really helpful because I suppose once you love it, you it's half the battle, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. They say if you do what you enjoy, you never work a day in your life. So... Yeah. <laughs> absolutely true I go by that <laughs> <laughs> and what made 
just start up your own business? Because that's quite a big step, isn't it? Rather than yeah. working for someone else. Well, my dad has a saying to always be the head and not the tail. So <laughs> great <laughs> saying. Sounds like your family have a lot of great sayings. <laughs> yeah, that's my dad. He's always like, do anything that you want to do, but make sure you're at the top of whatever you do. So that's probably where it stemmed from. We're a family that always push ourselves and we want the best for ourselves and especially for my children as well. I want to be a great role model for my children. And I've been working in the early years for so long and I felt like the early years needed me. Like I can't just stay in one place. I just thought I'm staying in this nursery and I manage it and it's going great. But what about all the other nurseries? What about the other childminders? What about all these parents that are always asking me for support? How am I going to help them if I just stay in one place? And I'd done a bit of freelance and was supporting some nurseries in between managing. And I remember one of my inspections that I passed a nursery with, the officer lady said to me, you need to set up your own business. I don't know how you turn things around in five weeks. Please go and set up your own consultancy. And her name's Rebecca as well. So I don't know if it was a bit biased, but... (laughs) (laughs) So nursery providers come to you for help if they're they're struggling maybe with things. Nurseries, childminders, after school clubs, it's, it might not be necessarily that they're struggling. It may just be that they want to continue to raise their standards. So I may go in and do a quality improvement inspection where I'll look at, this is what you're doing, that's fantastic, but you could do this. That's going to bring you up even higher. So a lot of my clients, that is a service that they book because they're always looking to improve. Yeah. You know, before we started recording this, I was kind of yes. scribbling down things about you. And I wrote down, <laughs> she smacks of super nanny because you were talking about helping parents. And I really yeah. like I really liked that because a lot of parents do really struggle, don't they? And, and not yeah. all children our little angels no. <laughs> it's, true. it's so funny that you say that because people do say you're like you're like super nanny but um I think I'm a bit nicer to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yes I do think I'm a bit more friendly um yes I do find that parents do struggle and I do find a lot of it is just because they don't have that experience a lot of parents it's their first child Or some parents will compare their children to other parents' children and think, oh, my goodness, my child's not doing this and they should. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. that's what happens. And then I'll come in and say, your child is an individual and your child is going to do it when they're ready to do it. There's nothing wrong with them. Do not compare them. And then they're like, oh, okay, so it's okay. Yes, it's okay. So, Rebecca, I want to touch on mental health and children and first time mums, because I think it's a an important part yeah. now of our world where years ago you were just made to get on with it. You had to deal with your child for the first yeah. time. And there was a stigma about asking for help because you had to do it now thankfully I almost feel we've got a new normal now the way bringing up children now is a far healthier way do you think because of people like you are helping younger mums parents that are yeah. lost a partner and they've yeah. had to deal with it how are you finding you're helping these people and is it very important now to stop this stigma and to ask for help I think you're completely right with all the points that's raised. And I still think sometimes now parents still struggle 
to ask for help because they feel like if I'm asking for help, it means I'm not a good parent or maybe people are going to look down at me. So I think we still need to really encourage parents to say, no, asking for help is a good thing. One thing that parents need to take on board is there's no such thing as a perfect parent. We're all trying. Even me, I'm a consultant. I have all these years of experience. I had to still figure things out myself when I had my children. You don't know everything and not everything that's written down reflects your life or is going to help your children. So there's no shame in any of that. I think that there are more community initiatives and support, especially on the maternity boards. There's a lot of Monday walks with mums and community-led initiatives, things like TV debuts about parent support and mental health. There's a lot of businesses that I've also started that are just related to mental health and a lot of resources that are supporting children with that as well now. There's so many positive affirmation cards, poems, activities, books, stories. So there's so much resources around that now as well. So I just think it's one of those things where everyone just has to remember that we're all human. Mm. and there isn't a right or wrong way to do things Mm. so reaching out asking for support is going to help your children it's going to help you it's going to uplift you they say it takes a village to raise a child Mm -hmm. so Mm, if you think about that we need our village we Mm. need the community behind us and I think the more everyone keeps saying that it's a good thing is the more that parents will start believing that it's a good thing and continue to reach out for help. So Rebecca, tell us about your clients then <laughs> from a point of a case history and how you feel you've helped. You know, I, you know, the smallest things I think make the biggest difference. So how do they come to you? Are you um, sort of referred or do you advertise? I advertise, but a lot of my clients come from words of mouth and parents are usually quite anxious and stressed out in the beginning. And I sort of just say, it's okay, just calm down. And then they sort of relax. I think they really get worked up. I think when you don't know how to do something and you don't know how to make things okay, I think that's what stresses them out. So by the time they come off that maybe a Zoom to me, they, they email me after and say thank you so much like I've been searching for help I didn't know what to do and you've really made me feel okay have you ever come across a family I'm a demon for questions like this but have you ever come <laughs> across a family that you just kind of thought I don't know where to start here I don't really know how to help you um, it's that bad <laughs> I actually haven't and do you know what's so funny about that question is the children that are probably the, I don't like to say, they'll use the word naughty because we're not really supposed to use that word, but the children that are, you know. Challenging. The lovely, <laughs> the lovely ones. I I find them, I love that. I just find, I like challenges and that's probably another reason why I set up my business because I don't like things that are easy. I like to know, oh, this was a challenge and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn it around. From your experience so far, Rebecca, what do you think like one or two of the main areas that people find very hard in the early years that they come to you for help? Like for me, when I was having my first child, I was definitely the breastfeeding, definitely the night going to bed because when you have sleep deprivation, it is the worst thing ever. And I don't think many people realise having a baby is... For me, it's oh, sleep deprivation. Yes, yes. And, you're like and, a zombie. 
Yeah. <laughs> Out of all your the people that yeah. you see and help, what are the sort of the main areas that people really need help? Help with. I think the main one is usually potty training and their child not listening, so behaviour. I think those are the top two. I think the main thing that parents go wrong with potty training is they compare with their friends. So they'll say, oh, this child's potty training um, or she's been potty trained. My child isn't. Most children, you need to make sure they're ready first. Even things like asking them if they want to use the potty. Some children want to go straight to the toilet. So it's those little key things that you need to do to really prepare your child. Lots of potty training activities to let them know about what's going to happen, what happens in the toilet, why we use the toilet. Talk about your body parts, teach them those things. So it's just really about giving them those tools and the understanding. And then it's so much easier. Rebecca, where did you learn to do all of this? Have you been reading lots of books? Did you go on courses? Did, how, how did all this knowledge come to you? I think it's a mixture between education and experience. So I have a LES degree, as well as I'm always doing extra courses to make sure my knowledge is always up to date and experience. So I've worked in nurseries, after school clubs, I've worked alongside childminders, I've done private consultancy, I've launched my own business, I've I've done everything. (laughs) 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 It's always important to meet the children as well as the parents when you're working with families. Most of the time, yes. If it's something to do with potty training, you may not necessarily need to meet the child because you can get enough information from the parent about how is the child's personality? Can you tell me enough about them? And sometimes that's enough. But I do find majority of the time it is more useful because sometimes parents will describe their children one way. And when you go there, you're like, oh, you said they could do this and that. And I don't think that's the case. So we all have different perspectives when it comes to our children. It it does remind me when you talk about potty training, I remember when my second child, I was trying to get him to potty train and we took him on holiday and I put the potty on top of the sink and there was a mirror there. And so I read somewhere that you run all the taps, get the flow going and (laughs) it worked. And my mother looked at me and said, Susie, where have you got that idea from? I said, I don't know, but it worked. And I'm going with it. <laughs> My mum used to do that with me. That to run water or yeah. give water or bubbles. Yeah, and it relaxes. Actually, it works them. with me today. It's a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> We, we have all these amazing books over the years, right through to Victorian times on how to bring up your child, when to do this, when to that. And at the end of the day, we're still using them. But as you quite rightly are doing, you're sort of communicating this thought through your own personality, your own consultancy. Yeah. It's, it's an age old thing, is it, how to bring up a child? And um, I think we stick to what has been done in history, but we are doing it in a way that is calmer and it suits yes. us. It's not so regimented. Do you feel yes. that way? I do find it is like that. There's so much promotion on being kind. I mean, if you look at my social media, I, I'm probably, you know, up there as well with doing that. 
but I'm always like always be kind hashtag be kind come on let's just be gentle and we constantly promote children's feelings and their emotions getting them to talk about that and express their emotions and talking is good and there's so much promotion on that so I think there is a culture of kindness and your feelings and your mental health and check in with friends check in with your children see how they're feeling are they coping there's this help blend there's that community come and have a walk and talk so definitely I don't remember any of those things growing up like a community where you go and walk with mums just for friendship I didn't even know of that when I had my children yeah I'll tell you what though Rebecca if you want to become a millionaire what you should do <laughs> is focus <laughs> is focus on them um, 13 to 19 year olds now therein <laughs> lies the problem <laughs> well actually my daughter turns 13 tomorrow so if there's any experts and uh-huh. teenagers please <laughs> <laughs> I think millions of us have been asking for that for years <laughs> <laughs> and who who did you turn to when your children had problems because I think it's it's always different when it happens to you and you, you can be an expert yeah. with everyone else who did you turn to I, I'm kind of assuming it might be your parents yes I think with certain scenarios I would go to my mum and my nan my nan is she's just so old school and always there with advice and you know Rebecca come on when you was little <laughs> this is what I did and she's got a Jamaican accent it's just lovely and they're still now they would give me like little tips especially with my daughter as she's becoming a teenager so I'm always still going to my mum and what did you do with like phones and technology and when did you let me go to the shop again and going out with her friends what age is going to be the right age and it's all of those sort of questions that I'm still asking and my mum always says to me you know so she'll give me the advice but she'll say deep down you have that mother's instinct we're talking about obviously mothers here this is a women's program obviously but it is important to recognize that there are fathers out there single fathers same-sex couples maybe i'm making a very sweeping statement here but maybe i find that men find it a little bit harder to ask for help and it's funny you said that because my brother also said that i should launch something so i am considering launching potty training but just for fathers um I have had one father come along to a workshop as well and he was quiet but he was taking in you know what I was saying and participating so I think it's just about making it the norm I remember we interviewed somebody a while back and they were talking about childbirth and pregnancy actually and they were running classes for the fathers only which I thought was a great idea they didn't want to go along with a bunch of women but they were much happier to go along and kind of they might have been having a kind of nudge and joke about things but actually they were taking it all and taking it quite seriously and they do want to know I think sometimes people think oh you know let the mother do it the dad doesn't want to do it but actually the lot of fathers that I speak to they really do want to know learning about their children from a young age yeah so because there's a lot of single parents that are fathers and you never know what can happen in life so it's good to to know these things very importantly what is the future for you Rebecca where where are you seeing yourself after talking to us I want to be a millionaire so. <laughs> I've given you tips on that already <laughs> my sister's gonna get me for that she's the singer of the family not me um, <laughs> still doing helping hand I'm hoping that it 
continues to grow and I do have a few other things that I would like to launch and sort of keeping quiet and seeing how that goes but onwards and upwards just keep growing my business reaching more parents maybe even getting to support people internationally so things like that along the same system but just continuing to keep improving and hopefully I'll be able to expand eventually have other consultants working for me at Helping Hand so we can reach more parents mm. and more providers. Well, I so think you're doing really it. well. Yeah. I've I, I really enjoyed talking to you. It's been a breath of fresh air. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> lovely to hear someone so enthusiastic about oh. what you do as well. Yeah. Thank really you is. so much. It's been so lovely. You can listen to our interviews by visiting womenmakingwaves.co.uk.